Hello and welcome back to the Thundersticks Podcast. I am your host, Ben Kreider, and today I'm going to be going over the Thunder Philadelphia 76ers game. Just a little bit of a game preview there, what to expect, and some names to keep tabs on throughout the night. So just diving right into it, Thunder, they're facing the 76ers. This is our last game at home. We have been on this four-game stand ever since, you know, we had our huge New Year's road game trip where we traveled like 5,000-something miles or whatever. So this is our four out of four. We're one and two right now on the homestand. We lost our first two by double digits, first to the Spurs. I think that was 10 points, and then the Lakers by 29. Really, really clutch game. On Friday, game of the year, we were able to beat the Bulls in OT, come back from 22 points down. If you guys have not watched the highlights or not heard about it, I did a podcast on that game, just a little post game there. And if you want to just see the visuals, you guys can find the highlights online. But truthfully, you would not understand how exciting that game was unless you were watching it live because it was just so chaotic. Didn't seem like we'd have a chance, but everyone kind of rallied back. So, I'd imagine everyone's super pumped up to be facing the 76ers tonight with a chance to break even with a 2-2 two and two record in this home trip before we have to move off to other places. But the Philadelphia 76ers, they're actually coming off a of back-to-back. They were in Memphis, Tennessee yesterday. They ended up losing by two to John Morant and the Grizzlies. That was his first game back. So they may, may be a bit tired. They're going to be heading over here trying to get a W. They have actually done pretty solid, um, believe it or not. I mean, they have a lot of guys out, and if you guys saw on Twitter like a week or so ago, they only had seven players running out for them one game, and they actually had a real shot to win it. I don't think they ended up winning that game, but yeah, they've just been super low on players. Still the case. They're not doing that bad, though. They're, they've won the last two out of three, and then the one they lost was only by two, so... They're going to be trying to come into our place and get the W, and then I think they go back to the Wells Fargo Center happy because they are finishing a road stand in the peak. Now, this is also going to be the reunion game for three players, and two of them are kind of tacky, but Danny Green and Vincent Poirier, they were on our team for about two weeks. They're making their much-awaited return back. And then Terrence Ferguson. Um... He's probably going to have some mixed emotions from the stands when he returns, but uh, I'm excited. I don't really know if he's going to be playing much for them because I think he's probably number 15 out of 15 on the roster. But, you know, he has shown, you know, sometimes that he can get things going. Maybe he's a little bit mad about being traded or something. He'll go off for a 20-piece. I'm not, I'm not going to put that set in stone, though. I think that's a little bit out there. Could happen, so... He's probably marked this one up on his calendar. I feel like everyone on the Thunder has been marking it up too. But yeah, so he's going to be returning and just going into the injuries for this game. For the Thunder, we have two guys plus Ariza. First dude, Ty Jerome, there's something up with his left ankle. I don't know if it's a sprain or someone just like broke it five times, but he has a pretty bad sprain he's dealing with. So get better, Mr. Jerome. And then... Al Horford is out yet again for personal reasons. And there's this whole, like, conspiracy almost that Al Horford must be getting traded because he's sitting out two games for personal reasons. 
And look, whenever people do get traded, they tend to like already know from like the team like we're sh- we're shopping you. And then sometimes they do sit out, but this far into the year, I don't want to be saying, "Oh, that's definitely what they're doing." I'm not going to say that, you know, Horford is is just sitting out because other teams are looking at him. That may be the case, but don't be running around telling people that. That's all I'm saying. So, we'll we'll probably hear more updates on him in the future. So, uh, I hope he returns back to the team. If it's something where he gets traded, hope he does well with his new team. But yeah, so he's out yet again. And then for the 76ers, they are still dealing with this huge injury bug. They got five players out in this game. They got Mike Scott, Vincent Poirier. So I take it back. Poirier is not making his return. Maybe technically, but he's not going to be playing on the floor. Then you got Furkan Korkmaz. Seth Curry's out, and then the big one, Joel Embiid, is not playing in this game. So sure, they have Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris, but Joel Embiid has been putting up some gigantic numbers for the 76ers in the past couple games. He's not going to be there for them, so they are going to need to find some scoring options elsewhere, and I do think they have some firepower across the board that could be able to patch up Embiid, but with a presence like him, you really can't just say set in stone that, you know, they're going to be all right with the people trying to fill in for him, you know what I mean? So just going into, like, the players that I think are going to have a good job in this one, or they they have a big role in this one, I'll put it that way, you got to start with Isaiah Roby. And Isaiah Roby has been exceeding expectations game after game after game and he's actually ticked up his points just his averages everywhere he's averaging near nine points in five rebounds a game including an assist and you know he's getting the starting nod once again i'm not sure if they've announced what the starting unit is but he started in the last one he was one of our best players against the bulls he's gonna be coming right back in trying to assert his dominance because he has been such a pleasant surprise down low. He is a lot stronger than what you would think. He's six foot eight, 230 pounds. This guy can bully around people that are 20 to 30 pounds heavier than him and still get good looks around the basket. And if he wants to go from three, he'll set a pick and pop. He'll be right out there. No one really guards him and he will make you pay. He pleasantly as well can shoot, you know, a decent bit. And he doesn't always have the confidence there, but we've seen the seeds of something really good from him downtown. So he can continue to develop that. And with the people that Roby is probably going to be matched up against tonight, he's going to be able to shoot threes as often as he wants. The 76ers have Dwight Howard and Tony Bradley as their two centers. Those guys cannot match up with Roby on defense. Interiorly, sure. I think Howard's stronger. Bradley's like 260, so he should be stronger. But they're not going to be able to run out to the perimeter with Roby. We saw what he did with Nikola Vucevic. You know, he broke his ankles and drove right in. So they're going to give him his distance. If he wants to shoot the ball, by all means, they're going to let him shoot the ball. So Roby's going to have it from downtown. If he wants to go inside, I do think he's still going to be somewhat there because on Wendell Carter Jr., he was dropping... Was it dropped 14 points? And then if you go back to the first time he started against the Magic, he dropped 19 on Nikola Vucevic. So he's not going to have a problem dropping points. I think on offense, 
we should be solid. I'm expecting a double-digit game from him. It's more on the defensive end that I'm worrying about, but I really shouldn't be. Uh, he fouled out in our last game, but it was in the very final like minutes of this game, I believe. I think in the fourth quarter, Roby got fouled out in the Bulls one. Just fought his way through the entire game. In his 26 minutes, he was killing it. I, I like the aggression he's bringing, and so be it if he's fouling Dwight Howard. Make him get his shots up at the line. Honestly, I don't know how good of a free throw shooter Tony Bradley is, but, you know, make him get it from the line too. I'm just going to assume he's not that good because he's a center. But, yeah, I think defensively, if he can clamp up Howard and Bradley around the basket, we're going to be solid because, look, if Joel Embiid was on Roby, it'd be a different story because I think Embiid's one of the best centers in the league. That's not really up for debate. But he's going to be able to hold his own on Howard and on Tony Bradley, in my honest opinion. So look out for him. He is going to play a major factor in this one because the lack of depth the 76ers have right now and because the lack of depth we have. We have Roby, who's 6'8 as our center, and then Muscala behind him. And you got Moses Brown, who has played pretty decent in the minutes he's been allocated. Like, he's he's played like six minutes and he'll drop six points, but... I don't think he's going to be playing like a huge factor if this comes down to the wire. I think Roby is going to be your guy. So keep tabs on him. He's looked super duper bright in his past few games and really just the whole entire season. So expect more of the same. I think the second dude that you need to be looking at is Darius Baisley. And you can crap on Darius Baisley all you want right now. And, you know, some of that hate that's being thrown his way. I'm not going to say it's warranted, but he definitely has not been doing as well these past few games. Like, he has been ice cold from really everywhere, but this is something that has been expected. I think entering this season, we knew this would be a roller coaster, and there's going to be times where one person's hot and another person can't find the basket. Right now, SGA's on fire, okay? Roby's on fire. Lou Dort is on fire. Darius Baisley's cold. He's going to be able to get his act back together. And on offense, if we're just breaking down his stats from, you know, these past couple games, he's been shooting below 50% pretty much since he came back into the peak. I mean, he shot 3 of 12 in the last one, 1 of 5 before that, 4 of 14 before that, 2 of 6 before that, 2 of 9, 8 of 20, you know, just hasn't always been there. I'm not going to, you know, criticize the guy. I think that he has shown he can score around the basket. I mean, he has so many moves that he can use when he gets down low, whenever he's driving into his defender. He just hasn't been able to convert. And then the same thing is from three. He can get his shot up, but it's just it's just been off the mark. He's been in a funk, and eventually he's going to try to get out of that. And this this probably will be the game. I mean, even whenever he struggled and got benched in the Bulls game, Mark Dagnall was the first to really credit him for kind of taking it professionally. He he wasn't throwing a little temper tantrum on the sidelines. He just kind of, you know, stayed to himself and, hey, the team won, so he's happy, you know. So he, he's going to be playing big minutes against Tobias Harris, who as of right now is probably one of the best 76ers players they have. Since Embiid's gone, I'd probably say he's a top three person playing for them right now. He's going to need to be clamping up on Harris because he can shoot everywhere. I think he's kind of similar 
to Laurie Markkinen in the sense that he can stretch it out and he can go inside at times. I think Markkinen, due to, due to just his size being bigger, is probably a bit better like going inside on around the basket. I don't think Harris is going to be posting him up much, but he's still a threat. Harris is a threat, and Baisley will need to shut him down. I think another person that you need to think about, it's Teo Maladon, and it's kind of like an underrated thing here. And I'm going to go into why he matters a lot more. I'm just going to bring up the names now and I'll go back to them a little later. But the Philadelphia 76ers have some really good guards right now. They got Simmons, they got Shake Milton, and they got Tyrese Maxey. These guys will go off for double-digit scoring outbursts. And SGA obviously is our main point guard. And he's going to be doing the heavy lifting on Simmons or whatever. But whenever he's out, who's going to be stopping Tyrese Maxey? Who's going to be guarding Shake Milton? It's going to be Maladon in most of those situations. You're going to see more of George Hill maybe every once in a while, but Maladon is the guy you need to kind of clue in on. Defensively, I think it's going to be more important for him than on the offensive game. I think he dropped 10 in our last ball game, and he's kind of been shooting like around a 40% mark in these past couple ones. I don't really care. He's been doing a great job passing, but... When we are looking at what key factors of this game will be, it's going to be the bench production, honestly. I think that's the stat that this will come down to. And they have a lot of scoring options, especially at the 1-2 and two position. Maladon is like 6'5". He's pretty much matching heights with Maxi and Shake Milton. I think Shake Milton is 6'5". So he's going to be guarding those two. And if he cannot put a lid on them, it's going to be rough because he played on Patty Mills a few games ago and Mills went off for like 15 plus points. I don't even remember how much, but he was a really key factor in that Spurs win. We don't want a guy like Tyrese Maxey, who in the past has been dropping 15 plus. He dropped 39 like last week, you know? We can't let somebody like that take over the game and be that X factor that is able to just dislodge us and get the W out of here when they go back to Philadelphia. So defense for Maladon is going to be crucial. He has done a nice job getting active on defense. I think he's been able to jar the ball loose like multiple times in these past couple of games, but just making sure that nobody's going crazy on offense. He's more of the defensive guy to be looking at tonight. So a bit of a different role for him. We always kind of think of him as this pick-and-roll playmaker, which he definitely is, and offensively, you want to expect a big game from him because he will be a big piece off the bench tonight. However, defense is going to come first in this one for him. And then just running through the list, I mean, SGA, Dort, we all know what to expect from them. I always say this, but whenever I go through the game previews, I can tell you guys all about the stars every single game, but I feel like it'd just be me talking in circles almost like we know SGA is really good at driving we know Dort has been doing a good job from three and defending people I expect the same things from them but I just want to talk about maybe the people that you're not as familiar with or people who have an increased role in this game and another person you could even throw in is a guy like Pokachevsky and Pokachevsky he had you know his career game against the Lakers I mean he dropped 10 at like three blocks whatever he also is going to be a big piece against the 76ers because they don't have Mike Scott right now. And the backup power forward for them is Paul Reed, who was like a late second round draft pick. And 
I don't know if I ever said this on a podcast or not, but I know when I was watching the draft live and we traded up to get this 34 selection, I put out on, I believe it was Instagram, I don't know if, if I put it anywhere else, but I said, I want the Thunder draft either Teo Maladone or Paul Reed. Paul Reed is super underrated and I think nobody really knows who he is. He's like from DePaul. I don't know really what his role is because I've never looked into the 76ers like that this year. I've kind of just been focused in on what the Thunder has been doing. But he can put work on Pogachevsky. Paul Reed is athletic. He's super duper strong. He I don't think he's a freshman either. This guy is like a grown man at this point. So he's going to be getting real physical with Pogachevsky. And Pogachevsky will need to go up to the task. Uh, however, I do think that overall, I think this is the game for Poku to kind of leave his mark because Paul Reed is not one of these established players so far. I mean, he has had some solid games, but overall he's only averaging 4 points and 2.5 rebounds in 12 minutes. This guy is at the bottom of the bench for the majority of the games. And Pogachevsky, I mean, he's been in the limelight this whole entire season. Paul Reed is lengthy, 6'9", so he may be able to disrupt his shots. But I'd rather have Poku going against Paul Reed than going against Markeith Morris and Kyle Kuzma. If he can drop 10 on Kyle Kuzma's head, on whatever's head, Markeith Morris's head, I think he'll be able to do well against Paul Reed. And just looking down the bench, I mean, he should be able to have a passing role of some sorts. It's kind of a little question mark on what Thibault's role in this game will be because on ESPN he's shown as a backup. I always kind of thought of him as like the starting small forward for the 76ers at this point. Guess not. So if Thibault's coming off the bench, it kind of throws a wrench in things because of how good he is at stealing the ball. I don't think the pick and roll situation with Poku being the ball handler will be as effective in tonight's game. But I do think the pull-up shots will be fine. If he's coming off a screen, a high high pick-and-roll screen, he should be all right. I think he will have enough room to create for himself. So just keep Poku there. And then also on defense, he, he was everywhere in the Lakers game. Should be able to fly in and kind of block some of these more sluggish people. I mean, Tony Bradley, for instance, I don't really see him as too quick of a guy. So if, if Tony Bradley's trying to work inside on a dude like Roby, I think Poku should be there for the help interiorly. So those are my main guys. You can always throw more people in, like Kenrich Williams, who balled out like crazy in the last one. But yeah, I, I think those are the main four that I would like to highlight. And then for the Philadelphia 76ers, I got two guys, and I already talked about them. It's Shake Milton and Tyrese Maxey. These guys are the exact same as Keldon Johnson and Lonnie Walker were from a few games ago I said with both of those guys that they are just super under the radar the league doesn't know about them right now but they are breaking out and they're breaking out fast honestly since the OKC game Keldon Johnson and Lonnie Walker have been plastered places like I feel like people know who they are at this point Shake Milton and Maxi, they're kind of at the same level that Johnson and Walker were you know before they played us like people know about them and they've seen these big numbers, but I don't think the casual NBA fan even knows who these guys are. These are two very, very solid guards who will be able to drop a ton of points very, very quickly. Let me just uh, let me just go into the stats here. Let's start with Maxi. 
Maxi, he was the 21st pick in this year's draft. Everyone was kind of just forgetting about him. I think I had him like pick, I don't even know. I had him like right outside the lottery. I think I had the magic taking him in my mock. But he slid down a lot of boards, and I think he went from a late lottery to mid-first to sliding in the 20s. The 76ers got great value, and whenever he had to slip in for Ben Simmons when he was out, he played out of his mind. And this is when there were seven people playing for the 76ers. They played the Nuggets. This is when he went off for 39 points, seven boards, and six assists. He shot 33 times, 18 for 33, and obviously they couldn't get the W. But the Nuggets could not stop this man. And it wasn't just shooting three balls. It was more about going inside for layups and middies. And to be quite honest with you, us defending layups and middies have been probably a bigger issue than us giving up the threes. Like, I think the Bulls shot around 46% from downtown in our last game, but that's because Zach Levine literally went out of his mind. Whenever we're playing like a normal team, the three ball's not the issue. It's always the points in the paint, and hell, I guess if you got a guy like Maxi who does go in for some minis every once in a while, you do need to deal with stuff like that. So for Maxi, if we're not on our A game, especially with the Maladone in particular, like I mentioned, he's going to be in for another double-digit night. I mean, if we're just going through the stat lines of his last six games, every single one of them, he put up 12 plus points in all of those performances in his last game in this doubleheader against uh memphis the first game of the set he had 12 points three rebounds on 5 of 13 shooting in 25 minutes so this is a guy who jacks up a high quantity of shots in the month of january he shoots 13 shots a game and i do think that 32 whatever field goal game he had is an outlier but the case still stands. He's shooting like 10 times a game off the bench. And he has become a real threat as a player driving inside. So we need to be locking down on him. It starts with Maladone and then it goes all the way down to our bigs. Because Tony Bradley's not stretching the floor. Whoever our center is while Maxi's playing needs to be grounded inside. Whether it's Roby, Muscala, Poku, Justin Jackson. I don't even care, okay? Just stay down low so Maxi can't get those open looks. And then the same thing can pretty much be said with Shake Milton. Shake Milton's averaging almost 17 a game this year. Like what? He he has just improved so much in his game. And I mean, he's gotten the opportunity due to all the injuries. And he has not had less than 10 points since, you know, last year. The last time he had less than 10 was on the 29th of December. So he has been a main guy in their offense throughout, you know, this whole entire season, pretty much, and he actually has assumed the starting role now, since they are having some injury issues at the two guard, there's just a lot of mismatches going around, so Shake Milton has gotten the nod to be the starting shooting guard, and he has been balling out in his last two games, 31 points, and then yesterday, 28 points against the Grizzlies on 10 of 18 shooting, and 2 of 5 from downtown. And it's not just that. He had three boards and four assists. And the one where he had 31 points, he had seven assists in that one. Two rebounds, 11 of 15 shooting, three of four from deep. And then, you know, even going down the line further, he had 24 points and 19 points. This is a real threat. This is going to be a guy 
who potentially could be leading the team in scoring. I mean, he has in his last two games. Why not make it a third for Mr. Shake Milton over here? So a lot of attention does need to be addressed to him. And with Maxi, he's more just that straight line drive inside player. Milton's a lot more than that. He is able to stretch the floor with the three ball. Uh, he's been shooting 37% in the month of January. And I get he's in this hot streak, but you can't discredit him for that. He's going to be burying threes if you leave him open. And if we're going up on him, he's going to be driving inside. And this is one of those games where I'd almost prefer for Lou Dort to go back down to the two guard. He's been playing the three for us. However, I wouldn't mind sliding him to the two and trying to give more players like Kenrich Williams an opportunity at small forward tonight because Shake Milton against George Hill, I think Milton kind of has it. Like Hill is a certified vet. He knows what he's doing. However, Milton is just a different kind of athlete, okay? And he's going to be able to get the shots that he wants. I believe on Hill. Milton's six foot five, so he has a height advantage, and then I mean, just speed-wise, he can get to the spots he wants on the floor. If Dort's able to be on him, he gets shut down. And the dude that they have at the three guard is Danny Green. So, hell, I, I, I would even be cool with George Hill trying to play Danny Green, as funny as it sounds. But Danny Green's just an inch taller. He's six foot six, and there's not as much game to him. And Green's, maybe he'll be able to bully Hill inside, but the chances that they really resort to that kind of offense is like slim to none. If the 76ers seriously want to run the offense through Danny Green, oh, by all means, let Danny Green run the show. I just think that ultimately it would be better for Dort to be on Milton than George Hill to be on Milton. That's just me though. And if you guys have a different opinion, could totally see why. But yeah, Milton will need to be clogged up. He's this dude who can erupt for 20, same as Maxi. And with Embiid gone, they will need one of those two guys to be dropping like 20, okay? Because Ben Simmons, he does go out for his scoring performances, and I feel like he always has sort of been playing well whenever he plays the Thunder. If he drops 20, cool. I think that Tobias Harris, normally he's not always in the zone with us, but you never know with him. He could be doing decent. I'm not too worried about Danny Green, to be honest with you. Matisse Thibel, I'm not worried about on offense really comes down to those two players, if we're going to be completely real. They need that spark, whether it's that shooting guard for the starters with Milton or off the bench with Maxi. Two people, highlight them, because they will be a big factor in this one. And then you need to look at Dwight Howard and Tony Bradley, because if Dwight Howard's not able to assert himself against Roby, we should be in tip-top shape here. The thing is, I mean, if you guys have ever seen Dwight Howard, this guy's like one of the strongest people in the world, so he's going to be able to bully Roby, but fatigue should actually be a factor in this one, and we're not even sure what the role for Howard will be tonight, because he played 34 minutes yesterday for 8 points and 18 boards against the Grizz, so he was boxing out on Jonas Valanciunas, I can only imagine how tired this guy was on the plane ride, he's going to be a little bit exhausted. I don't think he has had this spurt of minutes in a very, very long time. I mean, he hasn't been getting 30-plus since, hell, I don't even remember, to be completely honest with you. It's been years. So after a 35-minute performance, will he be playing 35 again? Honestly, I don't really know. I just know in the minutes that he'll be up on Roby, 
he does have that size and strength advantage. So if he wants to try to go down low, he probably will have the ability to get some good shots, but it's not going to work all night. You're going to have to look towards Tony Bradley for that. I think Tony Bradley will be the dude who probably plays more than Howard does. And Tony Bradley has been so underrated. The fact that he was pretty much just given away to the 76ers this year was very surprising. He was with Utah for a couple seasons, and he never really went anywhere with them. But he always seemed to be solid. In the summer league, this guy was one of the best centers like there was whenever he played us he was averaging like 20 points and like 11 rebounds you know and then he goes into the regular season and you don't see him he's playing like the g league or d league or whatever he had a game like last week in the same one where you know maxi goes off bradley had to step in and he had 15 points and 11 rebounds in 24 minutes so he can get down inside and do the dirty work he's your typical six foot ten 260 pounds center there's not a lot of stretchability to him but he's all about just going inside and it may be able to work on on Roby or Muscala I'm not really sure but I do think he he definitely is a tick back from Howard when it comes to trying to finish around the basket you can't just rule him out and this is a dude who can rebound exceptionally very underrated as a rebounder and finishing wise he also is underrated so if he's dropping a double double just know that you know, I, I was warning you, you know, he does have a chance to be good. And then there's also the chance that he's a total non-factor. Howard plays 30 minutes and we don't even need to worry about this guy. It's just something you need to keep in the back of your head. And then another dude, you can also throw in Thibault because I did mention, I think he's going to be an animal. If he's coming off the bench for them, he's going to be slowing down a lot of our second string offense here because... We run a lot of our second string offense through Diallo, and normally Diallo doesn't have to deal with any like really good defenders. Matisse Thibel was one of the top two rookie defenders last season. It was him and Dort who were together. I think Dort did better, but it's really up for discussion there. I just know Matisse Thibel will give a run for Diallo's money if he's trying to drive in. And Diallo shot one for six in his last game. Wasn't all there. He's going to need to get his act together, and... He's going to need to get his act together against a very, very good defender in Thibault. So yeah, those are my takes on the game and just who to expect. I think it's going to be a lot of guard play and bench production will be a major factor in this one. But other than that, guys, that is going to wrap up today's podcast. I thank you all for listening and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.